me the essentials. Just the essentials. I only brought the essentials. I never leave home without all the essentials. You're listening to Pop Culture Essentials, your guide to the latest movies. I love this movie. Oh, I love this movie. Games, TV, 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 TV. You know what else, else? Streaming. Christy, wake up! And pop culture news. Pop culture and current events. So sit back, relax, and let your host, Alistar, Nick, and Pete take you through this week's Pop Culture Essentials. Welcome back to Pop Culture Essentials. I am Alistair, joined as always by Nick. Oh, hello. And Pete. Hello. (laughs) Uh, Let's kick straight into movie news now. Pete, what have you got for us? I have news that I think... I think Nick will like this one because I'm talking about Mr. Nicholas Cage, who is believed to be the one reason why National Treasure 3 is currently on hold. But Jerry Bruckheimer has said he the script is great. We are waiting on Nicholas Cage's approval. Uh, many believe that Nicholas Cage will say yes. Um, the last time it was brought up, he had pretty much written it off because he was like, I know that they're doing a television series. I've got nothing to do with that. And obviously after National Treasure 2, the films he did didn't quite perform as well. So he was like, the phone stopped ringing. Um, we all know where Nicolas Cage's career kind of veered into, but I think he's in a bit of a resurgence lately i think the demand for national treasure 3 is actually still there surprisingly um and maybe if the series is a success it might even kickstart it but i'm excited i really hope national treasure 3 comes to fruition because i think those movies are fun i didn't even realize it was like in the works i just thought it was the tv show so this is like great news so Bruckheimer is like, our script is pretty much complete. We love wow. it. We've just got to make sure that Nicolas Cage loves it too. Come on. Come on. God, I heard of to be like, we've got to make sure Nicolas Cage likes it. And you're like, have you seen the things he said yes to? Okay. <laughs> but he's, I feel like he's coming out of that period now. He's making yeah, the he's decisions like, for him. I'm a serious actor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for this. I mean, I'm skeptical about the TV show just mm. based on, previous Disney plus shows, but national treasure, even national treasure two are some of the most underrated Disney films from the early two thousands. Fact. They are both fantastic. So come on, Nick, Ellis cage, get on board. (laughs) (laughs) Nicholas cage. Cage. Shout out to Quizmasters. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick. Yes, oh, I've got music no tonight. To segue to that either. That, All right, off you go. Music news. Yeah, look. It, Drake. <laughs> no Drake tonight. And it, it's, it's sad but celebratory news. So the Foo Fighters announced at the end of last week that they are doing a tribute concert for Taylor Hawkins. So obviously the Foo Fighters drummer who 
passed away uh, in March this year. The band were supposed to tour and they obviously put it on hold for obvious reasons, uh, but they have decided they're doing a concert at Wembley. So like one of the greatest music arenas in the world uh, on September 3rd. So they're doing the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. uh, And obviously there will also be, it'll be like a celebration of Taylor and and his music and and celebration of his family, but there will also be uh, a charity element to him with the Taylor Hawkins Foundation. So um, that's going to be pretty rad on September. Like London's going to go off Wembley Stadium. And then September 27, uh, they're going to do it at the Kia Forum in Los Angeles. So they're doing two big worldwide events to celebrate arguably one of the best drummers of all time in, in Taylor Hawkins. Very nice. Lovely. Uh, moving into streaming news now, we've been following HBO Max and their new head of who seems to be making a whole lot of fuckery decisions <laughs> over the last month. You would think there's I, uh, less less good uh, than bad decisions uh, at the moment. Yep. Well, look, some good came. Today, HBO Max revealed a trailer showing all of their big new shows coming. And if I was this douche and I saw that trailer... I would be like, what the fuck have I done? Because the trailer (laughs) is amazing, first of all. Mm. Uh, The big news from the trailer is that it gave us our first official look at The Last of Us TV series. Uh, So the popular game from PlayStation has been adapted into a HBO show. It'll debut on both HBO and HBO Max next year at some point and features Pedro Pascal as Joel... Thank you. Bella Ramsey as Ellie. Uh, Fans of the game on Twitter were quick to praise Pascal's portrayal of the character, particularly nailing the voice and tone of the original game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, it looked incredible. And I think I can understand why people are always skeptical of video game adaptations. But the big thing that I'm excited for is that Craig Mazin, is the showrunner and uh, scriptwriter. And if you don't know that name, he did a little thing called Chernobyl, the five-part HBO series, which was arguably the most critically acclaimed show of the year it came out. So he's got, I mean, he's got some average writing credits. He also did superhero movie, uh, but he redeemed himself with Chernobyl. And that was a while ago in his defense. Hey, we've all changed since we've then. All uh, <laughs> so that's, he's a big reason I'm excited for it. But also Nick Offerman in the trailer. Yeah, I completely forgot Same. he was casting it. So mm. I'm I'm excited. It looks fantastic. Uh, it also, th- sorry. Oh, sorry. I was like, do we think that this trailer was kind of like middle finger, purposely, purposely released? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, like, well, this is what we're you know, yeah. So rumors all week. Well, for the last few weeks have been that they were killing all their DC shows. Um, the trailer showed Titans, Doom Patrol, Pennyworth, all renewed, all coming back. And it's believed that... With footage. And it's believed that Peacemaker is safe as well. Yeah, and apparently there's an Idris Elba James Gunn project that they haven't named yet. Is that the one that Idris sneakily dropped in the Beast press junkets? Is that where he's like, okay, uh, so it's a James Gunn one, hey? After we saw the Beast numbers... You might want to yeah, sign that I'm upset about that. Fucking quick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you want to check out the trailer, you can head to HBO Max's YouTube page 
And you also get a pretty good glimpse at season two of The White Lotus. I don't know if, I know. if you're excited. Very but... excited. Uh, love it. I mean, cast aside, like, I mean, sorry, the cast is a big pull for The White Lotus, but Jennifer Coolidge back, sign oh. me the fuck up. She was like, I would say she's the second best part of season one because Murray, the the <laughs> guy who runs out, is oh, fucking yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I'm here. And also, like, Aubrey, um, Aubrey Plaza just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That shot of Absolutely. her, she just looked amazing. Like, yeah, like, it actually it suits her really well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for it. All right, Nick. You've had a week off. It's time for another round of movie tag. Well, 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 here we are. So normally, I mean, if people are taking a week off, it's like refine their skills and sort of work on the game. I've changed nothing. I haven't practiced. This is going to go perfectly. So funny that you mentioned Beast before, because the theme for the games this week are animal survival thrillers with Beasts coming out this week in Australian cinemas. Uh, So... For movie tag today, the game, as always, Pete and Alistair will have to guess the movie I am describing through trivia, as well as through a tagline, trivia, supporting cast, and a director. They'll get a chance to guess after each bit of information is revealed, and if they don't get it, we'll go on to the next piece of information. Movie tag obviously starts with the tagline. Keep in mind, this is an animal survival thriller. And the tagline for this film is you can't scream if you can't breathe. Oh, fuck. Pete's oh. just lit up. Oh, my God. Lit up. Um, I'm putting a time limit on it. Five, four, three, two, one. Pete, do you have a guess? Oh, uh, is it life? No. It is not. Ooh, Alistair, do you have a guess? The darkness? That's the only one it I is, can think of right now. It is not. I'm going to trivia now. Trivia for this certain movie. This film is listed among the 100 most enjoyably bad movies ever made in the Golden Raspberry Award founder John Wilson's book, The Official Razzie Movie Guide. So according to the Official Razzie Movie Guide, this is listed as one of the 100 most enjoyable bad movies ever made. It's so bad it's good. Is it one of the Jaws movies? It is not one of the Jaws movies. Alistair, do you have a guess before I go on to supporting Earth's cast? Piranha? It is not Piranha. That's a good guess, though. That's a good guess. Also, really underrated remake. Oh, yeah. If you're drunk. Three double D (laughs) is where it's (laughs) All righty. We're moving on to supporting actor. One of the supporting cast members of this film is the legendary Danny Trejo. Oh, uh, 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 Anaconda. It's Anaconda. Ah! Alistair has got it. If you can't scream, well, you can't scream if you can't breathe. It is one of the best bad movies of all time, starring uh, supporting cast member Danny Trejo. And it was released in 1997, directed by Luis Losa. Uh, obviously, Jennifer Lopez, John yes. Voight, Ice Cube, Eric Stoltz, great cast. I don't even think it deserves to be in. I don't think it's bad. I don't no. think it deserves to be that. I agree with you, Pete. I agree it's with actually, you. It's actually a really fun, well put together movie. Like, yeah, that's annoying to me that it's. It is a so tight thriller and it is really entertaining. What about the sequels? No, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put my hand Blood up. Blood Orchid? 
The Hunt for the Blood Orchid is actually a good movie. And funnily enough, it's basically the plot for Jungle Cruise. Mm. <laughs> no, it actually oh is. God. Yeah, that's a it very good too. point. <laughs> oh, shit. I never yeah, that's made great. that connection before. Yep. Wow. Good double feature. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for playing movie tag, guys. Ooh. That's Is You're that the well, first time you've had to do the trivia? Uh, no. We've gone to an actor. Yeah. We've gotten to an actor before. I think it was when we did Unstoppable, when we guessed Rosario Dawson. Back a long time ago. Like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very long time ago. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to head into our, uh, well, not our, Nick's interview. Do you want to yes. tell us a little bit about this? Yeah. So there's a Brisbane, uh, a movie coming out this week in a very limited run uh, that was actually filmed here in Brisbane called A Guide to Dating at the End of the World. Uh, and I was lucky enough to chat with the director and two of the cast members uh, over the weekend to talk about, you know, independent filmmaking and, and making your first feature film and, and whatnot. And it was really great. It's about, a, I mean, not to put anyone off, you can edit that bit out. Uh, it's about a... T- about a 20 minute chat it was really insightful it was a lot of fun um and not to blow my own horn and you can leave this bit in i spoke to the distributor today and they said they loved the interview so uh i hope you all enjoy it because i had a lot of fun talking to these guys All right. Well, firstly, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today and congratulations on on the release of the film. I know you guys uh, filmed it back in 2019, if I'm not mistaken, so it must feel pretty exciting to finally uh, have it coming out in cinemas. <laughs> Nick, we filmed it in 2011. Yeah. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> I Where did I read 2019? I'm so sorry. 2011. Okay, so this is a proper labour of love and passion approach. So coming into this weekend, what's what are your initial thoughts and feelings of of finally letting people or having people see it for the first time on the big screen in Brisbane, where it was filmed. Well, I was saying the other day, you know, it's, um, I mean, apart from the city skyline, which has changed a wee, a wee bit since then, little, little things like, you know, fashion and stuff hasn't changed. Like, I don't know if you, if you look at the film, you wouldn't think, Oh my God, that's so, you know, 2010. Uh, so 2010. It's um smartphones still look the same. Like there's a few shots where Carrot's got a smartphone and I mean, there's no close-ups of it, but it's clear it's a touch phone, you know, like yeah. it's not it's not given away by the old Nokia or anything like that. So, no, I don't know. It, even though it was shot a long time ago, I, it'll it'll hold up, I think, hopefully. It's and been a slow burn. Soundtrack, the soundtrack really helps with that too. Yeah, yeah, I did love the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack's fantastic. So I guess that sort of leads into my first my first question is sort of about the film industry in Australia. What so many movies, especially I guess now post COVID, you think about Marvel and stuff who came to film in Australia and, and try and disguise Brisbane or Sydney as somewhere else. What What's important to you? And I guess, uh, Samuel, I'll start with you about filming in Brisbane and really showcasing this city uh, for the Australian film industry. 
Look, Nick, to be honest, I mean, I, I wasn't specifically trying to showcase Brisbane, do you know what I mean? But, but at the same time, I certainly didn't want to, you know, disguise it or try and make it like a generic city. Um, and, and we, you know, we, we tried to get as many sort of, you know, Brisbane iconic sort of, you know, like the Story Bridge. I mean, Brisbane, you know, the shooting down Newstead, things like that. We never did get up to Mount Cutha, which, um, <laughs> which, which, which would have been good. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it was all about just embracing Brisbane as a city, you know, um, the same way people set stories all over the world. You know, they say, well, this is the city it's being set in. So, yeah, uh, and, and, uh, and I think, it, you know, it's Brisbane scrubs up really well. It's, um, it yeah, came up, came up. Free. It really remember, does. Do you remember back in, and then, well, I don't know if you guys remember, back, back in the 90s, you know, when they shot Mission Impossible, the series, they shot, and they shot it here in Brisbane. I was and, an extra. Were you really? Yeah, at about the age of about six or something, <laughs> I can remember being on Roma Street Station as an extra, as a train pulled in. And that would have been yeah, Russia. That would have been Russia or somewhere. Off. Yeah. yeah. Like it was, every week, Brisbane transformed into another exotic country around the world. I remember thinking that was just brilliant. That was great. Yeah. And for Karen Tony, you guys, having, uh, you know, careers that have, gone different tones and genres and everything was there an appeal to have a story set in brisbane that was a bit more down to earth and focused on the, the human characters even though it is on on a scale a, a sci-fi story to an extent what was that appeal for you guys to come and film this down-to-earth love story in brisbane city oh yeah it was it was really delightful i think particularly i mean i think we've things have changed a little bit in the last 12 years um but particularly back then i think there was still very much a, a bit of a cultural cringe around you know around the industry here and brisbane art art in general whether that's you know across across a sort of a spectrum there um so yeah it was it was really lovely to just be celebrating brisbane the entire correct me if i'm wrong sammy but i think the entire crew the entire cast, like everyone involved in it from start to finish was a Brisbane-based artist who awesome. made the decision yeah. to stay here, which yeah. is, is a tricky decision to make because so many of us, you know, Brisbane just kind of bleeds creatives yeah. down to the southern yeah. states. So, I, 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 yeah, I was really chuffed to be able to, to be a part of it. Yeah, it, it's funny too thinking about that idea about how many people, how many creatives leave Brisbane mm. um, and just how amazing this cast and this crew was that we got together. Uh, and one of the other actors um, in there, I was talking to her recently because um, she was in a show called All My Friends Are Leaving Brisbane. And I, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure we all know about it, you know, and that, that was the, maybe a few years before this, but that was the feeling, you know, you, you couldn't make a career in Brisbane and you had to leave Brisbane to, to make a career. And then suddenly we had all of this group together for that for that period of time and um yeah we, we it was amazing being there with that group of creatives that's I went, incredible i went to school in cairns you know and the big dream was to yeah leave cairns i'm going on the, the big smoke i'm going on the brisbane <laughs> and like you say suddenly when everyone's like graduating from uni i'm, I'm going to sydney and i was like oh, <laughs> what's wrong with brisbane it's good <laughs> i i actually recently it's funny you bring bring up how sort of people do digress uh, sorry move south I guess and I recently spoke to one of the producers on Elvis who said they're really setting up a hub in southeast Queensland now for film so maybe you guys can claim as trailblazers setting the standard and and the tone for <laughs> film in Britain yeah, in southeast us. Queensland that, hey, I'm not... that. trailblazers it's the we'll slow burn it. where <laughs> 
Um, Sam, Sam, I'd love to ask you sort of about the concept of the film and, and where it initially came up. What what initially was the idea for the movie that you wanted to create? Something that was about the effects of the Hadron collision or was it about having to endure a bad blind date in the apocalypse? What was the first sort of idea and how did you meld those two together? I, well, I look, I've always loved post-apocalyptic films, you know, films where everyone disappears. Stephen King wrote a novel years ago called The Stand and I love yes. that book. Not so much the, you know, the, the, the supernatural content, but just this idea that everyone's gone, what would you do? Um, and I guess, you know, it, it, that just led naturally to, and what would you do if the next person you met was someone you couldn't stand? And um, <laughs> and at the time I just thought, oh, this is just the most original idea in the world. I'm just I'm, I'm doing this, but obviously this, it's, it's being done. It's been done before, but um, when we decided to make the film, the, the, the story, it all came together very quickly. Like, do you know what I mean? Those, those elements, um, it just meant we could have a small cast, we could have a small crew by, you know, by avoiding people, you know, by finding locations and shooting around people, it's a lot easier than actually, you know, trying to organize extras and trying to organize backgrounds. Yeah, for sure. So it actually lent, it, it lent itself to the, to the genre. So it felt really good. It felt, everything fell into place once we decided to make it everything from like just organizing it, casting, getting the perfect cast. Um, it was just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just fell into place really easily. It was like, Oh, this is great. You know? And we, and we, we, yeah, just, it just, um, sort of barreled, it barreled forward really, really quickly. It was great. Oh, that's incredible. And, and Karen, Tony, I'd love to ask you about your characters because it, I'm wondering what it's like as actors, you have to be, ultimately for the first part of the movie without giving too much weight, intentionally antagonizing to each other, but you both sort of playing it, pulling empathy from the audience. You're both trying to tell the audience, no, no, like I'm the character you should be backing. So how do you approach that as an actor to be, I'm going to have a, like, this person's the bane of my existence, but audience, you've got to love me. I, I care if you want to start, how do you sort of approach that as an actor? Oh yeah, that's a tricky one. I think um, for me, it's about, playing the moment and just really committing to that and letting the story take me where it needs to go rather than kind of trying to have this bigger picture uh sense of what i'm trying to do does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely so, it's in the moment yeah yeah it's letting it yeah. naturally happen yeah yeah and just letting really committing to um a character who's got some flaws um, and has, uh, you know, like, like, like just a standard human being, many different um, aspects to themselves and they can be really snippy and condescending one minute and really warm and generous the next. And kind of letting that do the job of bringing the audience in to the character, yeah. which I think is something the script does, Sammy, really nicely. Oh, thank you. She, she is. That, that was all my bits, the bits I wrote. Clearly. <laughs> I think that was the best thing about the script from a character perspective was just seeing um, how these characters kind of redeemed themselves, I suppose. And, yeah. uh, you, you asked the question about, you know, what's it like playing that antagonistic character to start with? And the the two of them are in a situation where they're, they're kind of forced to be these antagonistic characters to each other. And mm. so as an actor, that makes it easier. Your, your character is playing a different role. So when you're coming back to, you know, that, that the lovable character that they become later on, it, it makes it much easier to go back into to that um, uh, empathetic or, or sympathetic uh, character that you want to be. 
It was it was yeah. tricky. I mean, it, you know, when we were when you were doing it, like just like you were saying, you know, at the beginning you had to be antagonistic. Kareth had to play the oh, I'm so sick of being set up on these blind dates with these people. But you didn't want to go too much. It's like, ah, oh, is, is Kareth looking a bit too, you know, is, is Tony being too much of an idiot? Is is Kareth being a bit too hard? You know what I mean? That you're trying to find this sort of, and you just don't know. You don't know until you put it all together. Um, like, you know, and people people kept saying, oh, no, I think uh, I think she's being too hard on him or the other way around. What does she, what would she see in this guy? So I was like, oh, what's a tweet? Yeah, I still have that question. What would she see in that guy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. It was the hair, Tony. It was the hair. Oh, the hair. <laughs> it was the outlaw cowboy suit you rocked up in at the uh, in the library. That's what it was. Yes. I I have a bit of a it's to do with the movie, but it's a it's a little bit of a random question. And without giving too much away about the plot, there is a central theme about how a good orgasm can change the trajectory of history in a way. And I would like to know if there was any movie character ever of all time that could have just used a good orgasm and changed the trajectory of their film. What do you think it could have been? And to help you out, I chose Anakin Skywalker. Because he's like, <laughs> just give him one and he wouldn't have killed all those people. Maybe, I don't know. But then I redact- redact- uh, redacted on it because I was like, he also had two kids at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So there was an orgasm in there somewhere. So, But I'd love yeah. to know if, if you ever thought about it, who, who would need a good orgasm? God, I mean, I don't want to name names or anything. It's uh, <laughs> on the spot here. Hell, These are the scathing interviews that you're just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're destroying cinema history in that case. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. The Godfather or something? Or... <laughs> yeah. It's um, a tough question. I, yeah, I that's a good a, question. A long time uh, to think about my own answer for that. So I, I guess. While you're thinking about it as well, sort of how do you, not necessarily questioning the concept, but where does that sort of idea come from, Sam, in the sense of like, mm-hmm. was it you wanted to add your own creative spin on how, I guess, that third act sort of, you know, comes together or was it, how did it all come together for you in, in the scripting space? A lot of it, a lot of it was mechanism. Do you know what I mean? It was just, yeah. right. Because you asked before, oh, the Hadron, did you start with the Hadron? So no, we didn't start with the Hadron. It was like, right, mm. people are going to disappear. How? I didn't want it to be a disease. That's a bit, that's a bit depressing. Everyone's got to go. We don't want to see corpses everywhere. People have got mm. to disappear. But, um, but even that, you know, even that idea sort of got um, changed because my idea was that everyone disappeared a bit like, um, yeah. you know, like the bodies disappear, you know, just clothes were left around. But then later it was kind of like, well, hang on, if that's what's happening, what happens at the end? Like, you know, how, you know what I mean? And, and so then it was like, oh, no, 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 they're in a different dimension. Like, you know, but I don't want to give too much away. But, you know, there's so much you have to think about to try and satisfy. It's so easy to go, oh, look, it's just a movie. It's a science, you know, come on, just go with it. But, uh, yeah, we did have to sort of, you, you sort of set a rule and then you have to really follow that rule through, you know, the whole way through it. And, you know, what we've just been talking about, um, <laughs> I guess it, 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 was, it was silly. It was, I like, I like the idea of something, of something silly, something that, you know, still a little bit, oh, we don't talk about that. You know, we don't, we don't sort of talk about this. And this is the thing that, um, and I wanted it to be something too that people weren't going to immediately uh, sort of, you know, think, oh, well, that's probably what happened then. No, it worked on me when it, when it first, uh, the idea of it came up when, when he comes into the, the picture, I was like, I wasn't expecting that, but then it worked for me as well because it's a love story ultimately at yeah. the end of the ultimately. day. And what's love without sex and a good orgasm? So 
Uh, I've never said that in an interview before, so thank you for being a person. <laughs> You're welcome. In that regards, glad we could help. <laughs> this is great, Nick. I have been asked, you know, if people can take one thing away from the film, what would it be? And I'll, well, that's what it is. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, really save the world. Really can. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll wrap up on, on this, I guess, and sort of, and we briefly touched earlier about about you know how nice it is to film in Brisbane and use Brisbane as a location. And and I know this has screened it at festivals before, but this coming weekend there's the Q and A screenings, and I'll be there on. Thursday night uh, uh, at the premiere there. What what are you guys hoping the audience reaction, obviously you want the audiences to like it, but what do you, I guess coming 10 years later after filming it, what are your feelings going into this weekend and screening it for people who I'm assuming are close to you and, and may have questions at the Q&A about the film? What, what are your feelings going into it? Are you excited? Are you nervous? How, how is this weekend shaping up for you guys? I think actually the, 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 you know, 12 year interim has, it's actually, it's really cool because I think we, we sort of know what, we know what the film is. Yeah. Um, it's screened in front of an audience before and they really enjoyed it. So I, I think it's, it, I think that gives us the opportunity to just celebrate yeah. the, you know, just celebrate the fun of this film. And uh, so it feels, it, I feel really relaxed about it and, um, awesome. Obviously, you want people to love it, but I think I think they will. It's just it's so much fun. It's just a really feel good, escape the moment fun film. So, yeah, it's, and there's also something very exciting about uh, uh, being in a room in which the place is filmed, and so yeah. the reaction that people have to seeing those places that they know. And I, I'm purely relating this to having kids and watching Bluey, and. Uh, yes. Watching Bluey and seeing, you know, New Farm Park or seeing mm. South Bank or whatever and going, hey, this is filmed where we are. Look, that's cool. I've been there. And knowing that that's going to happen as well for our film, I think that's really exciting. I play at the squash courts that were in Bluey. So I'm very proud of that. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Claim yeah. to fame. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think we're very connected to Bluey. It's good. We should uh, yeah. Yeah. And get this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went Animate, to, is I went that to what we're going to do, an animated version? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be... That'll be next. That'll be next. <laughs> and how about you, Sam, coming into this weekend? What, what, how are you feeling and what are your thoughts? Uh, look, just massive relief. But like Tony said, um, it's just great to be able to see it um, like on a big screen with, with lots of people because, you know, so many films now will go straight to streaming. Yeah. Um, it, mm. Certainly much larger films than ours. So it's a, mm. it's, it's a bit of an honour to be able to have it, you know, watch it in this format. Um, you know, the million dollar question is, oh, why did it take so long? And of course, uh, it's um, you sort of have to, uh, you know, look, it takes as long as it takes. And it's just great that we're at this point. And, you know, hopefully we can run with that and do something, do something else. <laughs> yeah. And maybe even provide some inspiration for other people who are there, who come along, who see that Absolutely. no matter what you're doing, it's worth shooting. No matter how long it takes, it's worth shooting in Brisbane. Um, that mm -hmm. there is, you know, uh, a, a process there to get the work to, to whatever it is that you're creating there on the big screen. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Look, thank you all so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's so nice to talk to Brisbane actors and Brisbane filmmakers. It makes me feel proud to, you know, be an interviewer from Brisbane, really pumping up this project. Like I said, I'll see you guys there on Thursday night. I'm excited to meet you all in person. Uh, no better place to do it at Palace as well. That is the the cinema of Brisbane where I just always feel like at home, you know what I mean? Like that is my Brisbane cinema at Barracks. So 
Uh, congratulations again on the film. Thank you so much for answering my awkward orgasm questions. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look, yeah, I'll see you guys on Thursday. Congratulations again on the film. Thanks, Thanks. Nick. Thank you so much, Thanks. Nick. Good morning, Vietnam! I love the smell of napalm in the morning. You're going to need a bigger boat. I feel the need. The need. Welcome back to Pop Culture Essentials. That was such a good interview, Nick. Thank you. They were great fun to talk to. Fantastic yeah. fun to talk to. Go celebrate Australian-made film. Uh, and if a guide saying into the world comes to your city, I would recommend checking it out, especially the Q&A sessions. Get a bit of insight from the filmmakers themselves. Great. Well, Pete, it's that time of the week. Box office time? It is. Hey. Can you, you need to snip at that box office time and like make a jingle now for this like segment. A song out of it. Okay. Yeah. Cause it was just the most exciting <laughs> box office time. It'd be fantastic. Hey, what time is it? Box office time. The jingle is made. Um, and I was like, gonna try and come up with some sort of pun of like, speaking of things that are made, but that doesn't make any sense. I will say <laughs> the movie that everyone decided to turn out for this week, once again, Bullet Train. Hey. It's third week at number one, pulling in $1.3 million. After three weeks, it has 7.6. So it's doing, it's doing like decent little numbers um, at the moment. Um, nope stayed at number two, earning 956,000 after two weeks has $3.1 million. So, I mean, I feel like these are kind of expected numbers. We haven't, we've never really fully embraced horror here. Um, I think the fact that Australian audiences probably also had like it had, was in the States for a while and it, the review, I mean, the reviews are still really good, but they're yeah. low for a Jordan Peele movie. Um, yeah. I just want to, I'll point it out on that as well. I've spoken to like casual audiences about it and I've heard more negative reviews from yeah. casual audiences. So I don't think the word oh. of mouth in that realm has been overly positive. And that's like, that's a handful of people, but I mean, yeah. like, out of maybe five, at least three have said they didn't enjoy the movie as much as they thought they would. I had a little bit so, of the opposite. I had friends who liked us and Get Out, and as soon as they were like, oh, aliens? Nope. Not interested. Not my thing. I'm like, it's still horror. It's just a different take. It's because it's also still much. go and it's see not, it. It's still a, and it's a smarter movie than just... Aliens. Yeah, true. Yeah, what, absolutely. People are like, oh, I didn't want to think about stuff. And you're like, well, it's a John Peel movie. So, anyway. Um, and surprising coming in at number three, much like it was a surprise besting the American box office, Dragon Ball Super Superhero debuted at number three with $770,000. Wow. That's a shock, but a good did one. You, like did that. you see the American box office today? Yeah, it's number one at the box office there. Holy shit. Made By like $20 million. A lot. Yeah, $20 million and then Beast was number two at 11.9 or something. Yeah. Whoa. The yeah. fans turned out. 
Yeah. And fans continue to turn out for the number four movie. What else is there going to be but Top Gun Maverick? 13 weeks and it is still in the top five. It goes to um, digital this week ahead of a now confirmed November 2nd physical release. Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, Steelbook. I feel like this will actually be a physical title that people will actually buy. Um, It's already selling out in the Steelbook, which makes me actually quite happy because it means people are turning out to buy it. Um, Are we all right now just going on JB (laughs) Hi-Fi really quick in order? Good, good, good. Number four, $693,000. It is made $88.5 million in Australia. and That's unreal. And speaking of big numbers, just overtook Avengers Infinity War. Right. So that's yeah. so it's now like the third it's highest the, grossing film in America it, or the, the second. And it's the sixth highest grossing globally. Like that's yeah. so good. Yeah. God, that's and, exciting. Yeah. And um one of the other, I mean, it didn't make a massive splash, but I'm very happy to see it in the top ten. Debuting at number six this week was Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, which came in with $544,000. So thank you, Australia, for at least some of you turning out for quality cinema for a movie that has <laughs> for a movie that's been some of you. available like to mm-hmm. pirate, however you want to say it. It's been yeah. out there in the world. It's out in America yep. to stream. Um, so yep. I'm very happy that it's, um, you know, making those dollars and definitely it helped that we had Emma Thompson and Darren McCormick um, spread all of their goodness with the, with the tour. Absolutely. You, Cause you went to one, didn't you, Alistair? I did. I was going to the apparent only one. And <laughs> then all of a sudden every other cinema got Q and A's with much comfier seats. Assholes. Bastards. But, Bastards. Look, it was it was good. It was nowhere near as long as it could have or should have been. But you know, yeah, what do you expect? It was just good to see them all together, I think. Yeah, For I sure. think I think it's um as much as you know we are moving towards this very uh digital zoom way of doing interviews, there is something to be said for things happening in person and I think that's probably one of the reasons why there is so much joy around this film and why those screenings did as well as they did because you're there with the talent and also like I don't know anybody who doesn't love Emma Thompson and um, Darren McCormick should hopefully become a massive massive star because of this movie Mm. and thankfully the Academy have um, changed some rules where now this film can be eligible, which means Emma Thompson is back in the actress race. Cause I, there in my mind, there is no way she shouldn't be nominated for this. Oh, hundred percent. Agreed. Agreed. Fantastic movie. Um, so yes, that's the major, major moves of the Australian box office this week. Nice. Thank you. Um, just an update. Uh, 
I have now ordered Top Gun Maverick on Steelbook Blu-ray in the time that you did that segment. Uh, it does have a selling fast selling sticker fast. Yeah, on the JB Hi-Fi website. It is pretty rare to see that. So, And there's a, there's a note limit one per customer. Mm, so no reselling. That's really so, how good. Yeah, all the dads who are like, oh, I can only buy one. <laughs> <My old dad. laughs> wow <laughs> they sound um, just like that yeah i cannot wait for the second of november who am no, i kidding i'm going to buy this on digital tomorrow as well like i am going to own as many copies of this as i'm I can. i'm gonna i'm gonna wait you wait for that 4k yeah yeah plus it'll be nice early birthday present so True. Well, again, no way to take me out of that. Uh, let's go over <laughs> to the streaming streaming uh, reports. This is for the week of the 18th till the 24th of July. So we're a little, little bit like a month behind. Uh, so in the Nielsen streaming ratings, Virgin River is still kicking along at number one. Mm. With two thousand times have you watched this show, Alistair? <laughs> <laughs> Myself and Anna have watched it two thousand six hundred and thirty-eight million minutes in one week. Wow. <laughs> Shit, Jesus! Uh, Stranger Things holding on to number two, uh, oh. still pretty strong. Two thousand two hundred and seventy-seven million minutes. That's like mm. insane for a show. That's like a lot of minutes, you guys. <laughs> 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 Uh, interestingly <laughs> enough, the boys dropped to number 10. Wow. Uh, okay. Which is quite a big change from number three to number 10 in one week. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. That's uh, is what it is. Uh, moving over to Netflix uh, for last week. Series-wise, The Sandman held on to its number one spot for two weeks in a row. Yeah. Nice. Uh, dropping a surprise episode, uh, and apparently there's another one coming this weekend. Nice. Uh, never- have you have any of us watched it? By the way, I've watched three episodes. Okay, I haven't watched any. I do like it, but it's one of those you have to be in a thinking mood to follow it. And nice. I was not in a thinking mood when I watched episode three. I'm like, oh fuck this. Um, <laughs> So I will come back. Ew. Thinking, yuck. Speaking of thinking, if you don't want to think, at number two, Never Have I Ever, season three, um, in its second last season, Mindy Kaling wrote the show, does a little bit of directing this season, which was good oh. to see. It's a, nice. it's a high school show about like when Mindy was a teenager trying to get laid. Yeah. It's very good. It's very fun. Uh, and why? I don't know. Trainwreck Woodstock 99 season one. <laughs> Apparently people are still watching it. Apparently it's very good. Apparently yeah. it is very, very good. Apparently it's, yeah, it's a good companion piece to all of the Fire Festival documentaries we got a few years ago. So. <laughs> I like that Fire Festival doco yeah, that was on that Netflix. Was, God, that was fascinating to watch. Just, just a, like, just a dumpster fire of. Oh man! I yeah, no pun intended. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Uh, for a minute there, when you said you had when you were like, "Why?" Um, when you said train wreck, I'm like, the Amy Schumer movie is back in the <laughs> oh, every time I've read it, I've been like, "Oh, is that resurging?" <laughs> no, so no I, mean, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be mad at it. People need to go out there and watch Train Wreck, even if you don't like Amy Schumer. Bill Hader's great, and LeBron. John. He's so fucking John good. Cena. In it. I was gonna say John fucking Cena's oh, yeah. great in that yeah. as well, and his yeah. giant ass. <laughs> You have such muscular thighs. Ugh. Speaking of giant... Grinder, it's still gay. <laughs> <laughs> Over on movies on Netflix, Let Him Go uh, premiered oh. and went straight yeah. to number one. It's Kevin Costner. He yeah, can do yeah. it. That just that was one of those ones that it opened in cinemas here at a time when it was still very like iffy to go to the cinema and it kind of and I think in the states it was another one like it went to cinemas but it also went to VOD so I think it's just people like uh rediscovering it I guess um bit of a bleak movie but like one that I would go I'd watch it once and then go I'm done thanks Mm. Don't need to see that again. Speaking of things you don't need to see again, uh, Day Shift debuted at number two. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. That's a good. I feel like this. That was, I feel a, like, good, that was, that was a good one. Yeah. I feel like this is going to be a recurring thing on this segment though. For me, it's like I don't know what's happening in streaming. Didn't have yeah. time to watch it. To be fair, it's actually not that bad. Um, I was expecting, and I've heard it's incredibly violent because it was got a rated, it got rated R, and I was Mm. like, that actually actually makes me want to watch it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The Crudes, a new age, also debuted this week, came in at number three. Uh, And Purple Hearts dropping to number four. Sad, 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 sad. Uh, and that is the streaming new uh, the streaming charts for this week. Wow, I'm tired. <laughs> we're so close. Speaking of things, we're tired and not ready for Nick. It's that time. <laughs> oh. Are you talking about me or the game? Oh, what are we- <laughs> well, both. But how about you start strong. with Rotten Potatoes? Let's play Rotten Potatoes, the game yeah, that we all love. That I had genuine feedback on. From a listener of the show, Ooh. someone actually messaged me and said that they no, love rotten potatoes. Was it so, saying, please stop? <laughs> I don't like this game. <laughs> I'm in an endless hell, a revolving door of potatoes, rotten potatoes. Uh, the game is simple for me, not necessarily for the people playing it. Based on the Rotten Tomatoes critics and audience scores, Alistair and Pete will have to guess the scores for the themed movies of tonight. They have a 3% buff, uh, buffer each way to get it in. And if I've decided this week, if you get it right on the dot, you're getting two points. If you guess the exact score, I know they can't see it on the audio podcast, but I'm giving a lot of vigor in my movements right now. I'm being very threatening with this pen in my hand, uh, basically saying if you don't play this well, then violence through pen will come for you, which is actually ironically something I saw in Orphan First Kill tonight. Um, so, Rotten Potatoes. The theme, as we recall from earlier in the episode, is animal survival films. And 
We're doing our first ever franchise. The three movies you'll be guessing the scores are are for Jaws, Jaws, Jaws 2, yeah. and Jaws 3. So we're going to start with Jaws, the Steven Spielberg's original masterpiece, Jaws. Pete, Alistair, on the count of three, I would like your critic score for Jaws in three, two, one. 100%. 97. All right. 97 for Pete, 100 for Alistair. And the audience score for Jaws in three, two, one. 90%. 94. 94 for Pete, 90 for Alistair. Fantastic. Let's move on. I oh, know. I got to tell you what you got, didn't I? <laughs> or should I keep you waiting? I'd never want to hear that laugh again, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it was disgusting. It was tacky and I hate it. All right. Jaws number one. For the first time ever, someone has got two points. Oh. Someone has guessed a score dead on. 100%. For the critic score, Pete, you said 97. Alistair, you said 100. The critic score for Jaws is 97. Uh, Pete has got two points. Yeah. I knew that'd be The so audience. Like Congratulations, it. Pete. The audience score. <laughs> Pete, you said 94. I Alistair, did. you said 90. Hmm. For the first time ever, two players has got two points because Alistair, you guessed it right on the dot, 90%. Oh, two points damn. apiece in the first goddamn round, boys. Uh, congratulations. Now, normally I'd say let's move on up to number two, but uh, if you've seen Jaws 2, you would know it's potentially quite a step down from the first film. So on the count of three, let us grab the critic score for Jaws 2 in three, two, one. 58. 56. Ooh. Very close, very close. And the audience score in three, two, one. Go. 47. 45. Cheeky. That's a very cheeky voice. Uh, the 1978 classic uh, thriller horror shark film running at an hour 57, which is arguably an hour and 56 minutes too long. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alistair. That Sorry. made me feel real good. That's very, very The critics score, Pete, for Jaws 2, you guessed 56. Alistair, you guessed 58. Just within their 3% margin. Alistair, the score was 61. You have got one point for Jaws 2's critic score. I thought it would be worse. Obviously. Do you know what? That's fresh. 61 is f- yeah, it's fresh for the fresh. critics. Really? Do you know who did not think it was fresh? Audiences. audiences. The audiences, because they said yeah. 38. So, unfortunately, both ooh, ooh. of you were without, uh, out of reach of that one there. Massage. So, Alistair, going into round three, the final round, you're on three points. Pete, you are on two. It is all on the line. And what better movie to put it all on the line oh. for than Jaws 3D? Okay. Okay. How exciting. What a film. 1983's master, like probably the best film that came out in 1983, if you ask me. 
Um, I remember seeing it in cinemas. Yeah, no one did. No one usually asked me anything. That's all right. Uh, critic score for <laughs> Jaws 3. God, there in- was so much behind <laughs> Pain. Just pain. <laughs> it's like, Nick, is your screen frozen? I'm like, no. Just staring into the abyss. Uh, critic score. <laughs> in three, two, one. Critic score for Jaws 3. 10%. Come on, Pete. Give us a number. Give us a number, baby. Let's go. 12. <laughs> Again, sorry to audio listeners, but the visual build up to the 12 was fantastic. Oh, my days. We're going to stop putting the videos out for these. Uh, and the audience score for Jaws 3D, final guess for the night in three, two, and one, go. Nine. I was confident. 11. 19. <laughs> oh, 19. Sorry. I had 11. No, I, I, said, I said 11 as if Alistair was going to say 11 because we're both sticking. Ah, right. Yes, yes, of course, of course. Well, well, well. It all comes down to this. Alistair, you're on three points. Pete, you're on two going into these final yeah, guesses. <laughs> you have both scored a point Ooh. on the critic score. Pete, you said 12. Alistair, you said 10. Right in the middle, 11%. So that's a point apiece. Pete if, you get a, Pete, if you get this... Pete? If you get this right, you win the game. If you guess within 3%, you bring it to a draw. Unless Alistair also gets a point. But there is a 10% difference between your guesses. <laughs> because so, you guessed 9%, oh, Pete, wait, and you guessed 19%, Alistair. You will win if you get a point. This is how but you were games work. 3% of each other. <laughs> I'm going full of beautiful mind uh-huh. here, writing on my writing on my piece of paper. Uh, and you know what? I hope it doesn't go to a draw because I have not prepared a tiebreaker. Um, <laughs> Pete, you said nine percent. Alistair, you said nineteen percent. The audience score for Jaws 3D was seventeen percent. Alistair, you have one. Rotten potatoes tonight, five um, points to three. 17 was the first number I was going to say, and then I thought, that's Ooh. fucking high. God damn it. And I knew that if wow. I said it, you, you got to back yourself. Doing what we're doing all fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, Alistair has just taken over, so it is three games to two in Rotten Potatoes at the moment. Uh, which is very exciting. And as we say on every episode, the first one to 700 points will get the prize. So I cannot, <laughs> cannot wait till we get to hundreds. that point. Wow. Uh, thank you for playing Rotten Potatoes. Wow. Jaws edition, Animal Survival edition. All righty. Let's jump into the final piece of this interesting, weirdly shaped podcast puzzle. Uh, <laughs> what is essential this week? In pop culture, let's go with Pete. Um, what is essential to me? This is one of my like 
I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure or not, but it, it's something that I like to watch that just is entertaining and it's like in and out. Um, so it's on Netflix. It's a show called Glow Up, um, which is about makeup artists doing really actually quite interesting work each week. Um, it's more that it has one of the judges has a catchphrase and it's hilarious because she does it so seriously and it's just the worst thing. So if someone does really well, she's like, ding, dong, darling, you've done it. And it's hilarious. <laughs> it's so hilarious. But outside of that, mm-hmm. the the actual like makeup artistry is incredible. And they do like prosthetics for film work. They do um, like they do like H&M campaigns. It's like you've got to do a runway. Like they do all this really big stuff and it's just really fun to watch and every time she wants to say ding dong I'm like oh who's gonna get it (laughs) (laughs) so that's my essential streaming now on Netflix you are not the only person who's recommended that show this week so with the (laughs) same explanation of the (laughs) Nick what about you Mine's mine's a weird one this week because it's not necessarily a singular piece of pop culture. But this weekend, as we previously said, I was down in Melbourne for MIF with you, Alistair, and I had a fantastic time. I thought the festival was great. It was great to see all the Nova Stream guys. Um, but there was one point eating choc tops. Yes, euphemism for eating choc tops. Um, <laughs> there was there was a point. There was a point where Alistair and I were sitting uh, in the Sun Theatre in Yarraville waiting for a screening to start of The Stranger. And I kind of sat there and it was a really cool cinema. It was a really cool vibe. I liked the seats. It was had just an old school outdoor cinema sort of vibe. And I sat there and went, this is fucking cool that we get to do this, that we can go to an independent cinema and watch a really great film in a film festival that's been specifically curated to show pretty decent stuff. So my pop culture essential or recommendation is just go to an independent cinema this week and find a really cool fucking movie to watch buy the popcorn, buy the chuck top uh, and just sit back and relax and just enjoy the experience of cinema. That isn't. And I know this may be controversial, but like go see something that you wouldn't normally see. Don't see the Marvel movie. Don't see a big blockbuster. Go see something that you normally wouldn't watch and support independent cinema because this weekend gone was fantastic. I can't wait to do it again in Brisbane. And I think we should do it more often. So that's my essential for this. And you know what I say to that, Nick? Ding dong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I love that sentiment. Yeah. I I yeah, I'm all over that. I think that's great. And if there's art, if you read an article about if you go to the cinema by yourself, you're a serial killer. Then I, because oh. <laughs> sometimes going to the cinema by yourself is the best. Mm-hmm. It is the best. Yeah. Agreed. What about you, Alistair? What's your essential? Oh, yeah, thank you, thank you, Nicholas. What is- That's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go a little game that I haven't played much of, but it's called the Cult of the Lamb. <laughs> Jesus. Now, no, yeah, no, just you wait yeah. for this. Just you now, wait. <laughs> this is an Australian made game. Uh, it was made in Victoria. 
Uh, interestingly, it's banned in 48 states in the USA <laughs> because of its content. Uh, basically, you play as a cute little <laughs> lamb uh, who has to go around and indoctrinate as many animals as possible into your cult. Uh, and it's like a management sim, so you have to like build you know, houses and chop wood and fish and feed them. Get all your little animals to do it for you, yes. Also go into, like, (laughs) dungeon-like areas and kill monsters and then collect their bones and blood to come back and create an altar and a church in your honour so your cult followers can worship you. Are you a lamb this entire time? You (laughs) definitely are. And your followers are different animals. A cute uh, little lamb too. So, uh, my you know what's cult... happening? Jar- Jared Leto is just like fucking sign me up to play that lamb. <laughs> <laughs> they should just call it Jared Leto Simulator, right? That's what this game is. <laughs> cult of the Leto. <laughs> uh, so I've actually named my cult after the Nova Stream team. So so far, Nick is there. Pete got added today. Um, welcome, oh, welcome aboard. <laughs> I haven't decided what to do with either of you yet. Uh, one might involve a chock top, uh, and <laughs> shotgun. We'll uh, <laughs> see what happens. Uh, someone I know went through the game, and this annoying person kept trying to turn against him. So he sacrificed him, brought him back from the dead, then married him, then start. Yeah. Then he started to revolt again, so he sacrificed him again and then brought him back as a ghost. So every time he went into an area with enemies, he would have to run and sacrifice himself so he didn't get hurt over and over and over and over for the rest of his life. It's like the Dormammu cycle in Doctor <laughs> Strange. This is exactly what it was like. It, this this game is wild. It is insane. It is the most crazy thing I've seen, and I'm just in love, and I can't wait to keep playing it. So that's Cult of the <laughs> Lamb. It's out on Nintendo Switch and PC. You can find Pete at Rated PDG on Instagram and Twitter, or if you go to Rotten Tomatoes and look up Peter Gray, you'll find all his reviews for the AU review on there. You can also find Pete as the co-host of the Monthly Movie Marathon podcast uh, with his other co-host, some dickhead somewhere. Uh, but yeah, that's on all good podcasting platforms. Uh, what else do you do, Pete? And who is you that interview dickhead f- I hear you, I hear you <laughs> saying? Why is Nick? And you can follow Nick at Nick's Flicks Fix on Instagram and Twitter. And make mm. sure you look out for the Monthly Movie Marathon on all good streaming platform stations like Spotify <laughs> and Google Play and Apple Podcasts. Yeah. What, what? Alistair, take it away. Where can people find you other than Nova Stream Network? Oh. I'm never deleting this and I'm just going to uh. insert this every week. That sounded weird. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Alistair and find my stuff on Nova Stream Network this week and gaming stuff over at the AU Review. Pop Culture Essentials. Oh.